we may go back to normal. It's going to be a while. And if we wait for that to happen, we're missing an opportunity. You know, look for those opportunities to adapt, to change, and figure out what people really need rather than waiting for things to come back. Those organizations that adapt quickly are doing much better than those organizations that are sitting back and waiting for things to go back to normal. Welcome to season four of the Explore Home podcast. We're very excited to launch this year with a discussion on what I would describe as a company health check. To help discuss goals, teams, productivity, and leadership, I'm excited to have Jonathan Vihar joining us today. Jonathan has a wealth of experience in working with organizations of all shapes and size on leadership solutions for growth. He is currently a partner at Pilgrimage Professional Development Group who work regularly with Fortune 100 companies as well as small and mid-sized enterprises. Clients include Disney, Intel, Mars Wrigley, Pfizer, we've all heard of them, Red Bull, and Volvo. He previously served as the Global VP of Product for Dale Carnegie & Associates as well as the Portfolio Manager for Innovation and Technology-Driven Learning at the Center for Creative Leadership. And he was the president and co-founder of New and Improved LLC, a training development firm focused on innovation leadership. Publications in which Jonathan has appeared include Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Entrepreneur. And he's also co-authored five books about innovation, sales, and leadership. So he knows his stuff. And I felt like in the wake of what's becoming the new normal of hybrid or virtual teams, disruptions on virtually everything, it would be good to get some insight and perspective to help with your own company or professional health check on things that really matter as we kick off the year. So I hope you enjoy my discussion with Jonathan. We've also included his contact info in the show notes. So if you'd like to reach out to him to discuss anything further, uh, please do not hesitate to do so. And uh, thank you again for listening. Jonathan Vihar, thank you so much for taking some time to join us in the Explore Home podcast. I really appreciate you making some time for us uh, here on this Friday. It's a pleasure to be with you, Neil. We know each other pretty well, and um, our daughters go to school together, so I'll, I'll give that away now. But um, we've gotten to know each other a little bit more over the last year, and um, really, I think your, your background is pretty interesting in terms of what you do, you know, from a, I'll call it a, like a coaching standpoint, a business coach, if you will, but it's a little more than that. Um, if you can, if you could just tell folks or give people a little bit of your background, some of the organizations you've been with, and the things that you do for, uh, for companies. All right. Uh, I can do that. So um, currently I'm a partner with an organization called Pilgrimage Professional Development Group. And what that group does is we work with organizations to help their uh, their teams and their individuals work more effectively in order to achieve uh, results. And And I, I know we'll talk a little bit more about sort of how we do that, but that's the work that I do right now. You know, and sort of over the course of my career, I've been doing this for, I don't know, at least 25 years working with organizations, really sort of focused on this whole notion of leadership and innovation and teamwork so that people can work well together. And that's with organizations ranging from small, like a small management team of a marina to a whole bunch of the Fortune 100s. These days, I'm doing some work with the, with the military, with our special forces operators across the branches, all kind of fun. And so most recently, I was the uh, the chief product officer, the vice president of products for Dale Carnegie and Associates, which was uh, just a great experience working to create new products that would uh, be effective at helping people work together more effectively around the globe. And so that was a really interesting experience and gaining buy-in and getting people to accept the big ideas that come from the team that, that I ran, uh, which was a virtual team out of New York. And I've also worked for the Center for Creative Leadership, where I was a faculty member and I managed their portfolio of leadership uh, offerings or a part of their portfolio of leadership offerings. And 
Prior to that, I owned a small training and development company, um, five full-time people, 12 contractors located around the world. So, you know, I have some interesting perspectives sort of from the big and small and everything in between. You mentioned a few things too about, you know, virtual teams. And I know we'll get into how that's becoming the norm for many organizations ranging in size or this whole you know, hybrid environment that we kind of find ourselves in sometimes by default, kind of being able to get prepared for that and or, hey, what we're now in may be the new normal and how do we how do we manage that and how do we still move forward in an effective way, especially I think, and we'll touch on, you know, I think technology can play a certain role in that and then certain, you know, folks' ability to adapt to that technology and all that. But I think, you know, to kind of start, and the reason I wanted to have you on here as we, I know we're ending out the month, but, you know, typically at the beginning of the year, I think everyone kind of looks at, we were really looking forward to it this year as a refresh, um, and yeah. hopefully we're going to get there. But, you know, this kind of idea of, all right, it's a new year, you know, new you, you hear, obviously, I think a lot of people think about it more from maybe a physical health and well-being standpoint, but I think there's also something to be said about, you know, organizational health. And I know at the beginning of the year, it does give folks kind of this opportunity to hit reboot, you know, almost like hit the start over button. You know, what is it about that? And maybe what's the best approach to doing that, if you will? Is that something that everybody should be doing? You know, just what's your, what's your take on that? I think that it's something that everybody, whether it's an individual or an organization, should be doing that, right? And there's there's kind of two approaches to how you move forward. And so one of them is what we call the, the past push, and the other one is future pull. And the notion of like the past push is always kind of like, all right, well, we're doing what we're doing, and how are we going to do in 2022? Well, same as last year, plus 10%, right? Okay, um, so we'll just keep doing what we're doing, and we'll do it better and faster and smarter, and hopefully that'll give us growth. Um, the alternative to that, which, uh, and, and the alternative is a much more powerful approach is what we call future pull, which is basically to say, all right, what is it that we want to accomplish this year? Let's be very deliberate. Let's be very intentional and let's get clear on what do we want to do. And so if we've got a clear vision of what that future is, where we want to be at the end of 2022 or at the beginning of 2023, or even further down the line, we can get very clear on how we get from where we are right now to where we want to be. And so we can identify that future, get very clear on that, and then figure out what's that pathway uh, or what are the pathways that will get us to that place. So tangibly, you know, what that really looks like is to say, let's figure out where we want to be. Let's take a good look at where we are right now. Maybe it's a review of last year in terms of the things that are working, the things that aren't working, what we need to ad- adapt. And then let's figure out what's, what do we need to do to bridge that gap to get us where we want to be. And with that, I think, you know, obviously that's a time when people be in the probably they write goals, they have goals. You just mentioned the 10%, but do you think, you know, in terms of, it sounds like maybe to kind of look at that future pull, the more detailed and you, you mentioned deliberate, I think, you know, the more specific you can be on the actual, whatever that is. And, and there might be the really, the big audacious goals. And then there's maybe kind of just little things possibly, and, and maybe, you know, ways to kind of incrementally get there. But what what is kind of, uh, you know, advice maybe you'd have for people as they begin to look at kind of setting that structure from a goal standpoint, if you will? I think you're absolutely right. You want to be as specific as possible. But the starting point is kind of what's the big level, the big, hairy, audacious goal? What's that thing that we're moving towards? And I I like to think about it as like, what's the top of the mountain that we're going to climb to so that we can identify that, you know, we're headed towards that peak, Pike's Peak, Everest, whatever it is, um, Mount Washington, wherever you want to go, like that's the place that we want to get to. And then once we've identified that, recognizing where we are right now, 
right? Wherever your, wherever your home is, wherever your base camp is, like figuring out, all right, so let's start to break that down into smaller pieces, right? So mm-hmm. that we know, all right, so we're here at our, at our home camp. And in order to get from here to there, we need to articulate what are the base camps along the way? Like, how do we make sure that we're going to get there? Nothing's worse than saying, hey, look, we, uh, we've got this goal. We want to be, you know, X million dollars at the end of the year, or we want to be, you know, number one in the marketplace. That's great. And how do you know if you're getting there? And so breaking down that million dollars into, you know, okay, so, so what's that mean month by month? given the seasonality of our business. What's that mean for each member of the team in order to help us accomplish that? So we can really start to break that down so that we know, so that everybody knows what's the plan. Everybody knows our status against the plan moving forward so that at the end of the year, it's just like, oh, we didn't hit our goal of X million dollars. Why not? Well, we should know that, right? Each week, each month of the year to get there. And then, so we know what the plan is. We know what our status is. And then we know where do we need to pay attention? On that, on the communication side of that, it doesn't just happen at the beginning of the year. It's obviously it's happening really throughout the year and maybe even throughout each month and each week, possibly depending on what's going on. But has, in your opinion, maybe with some of the businesses you've worked with, has COVID impacted the ability to communicate and make sure that people, I mean, there's been so many disruptions, I think, across organizations with people, you know, where they are, different things that are obviously well-documented, but in terms of that, is there beyond, what, what are some of the ways that people can help to communicate, maybe re- reinforce, if you will, particularly in light of possibly being displaced? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, at, at the largest view, like it hasn't changed things, but at the right. smallest view in terms of how we do that, it really has shifted, right? And, you know, one of the things that's fascinating to me and uh, the research that we've done with groups and organizations is that in some places, like the group engagement and p- how people are working is better than it was pre-COVID. And this shows up in a number of different studies. In other places, it's much worse than it was. And I think that those organizations that are doing better, that have better engagement, and right, engagement really becomes a substitute for looking at profitability, productivity, all those sorts of good things. What folks have recognized is that, okay, we're not going to do it by just having a conversation by walking down the hall. And you know, pre-COVID, when we were all in the same workplaces, something like 60% of the conversations, the communication that happened happened just informally at the coffee maker, walking through the hallway, bumping into each other in the lobby, whatever. But we can't rely on that now. And so what we need to do is be very deliberate about putting in place those systems, right? So whether it's uh, Slack uh, or team channels or uh, having just a regular conversation uh, that's sort of scheduled to make sure that that stuff is happening, that's where we need to put that in place, right? So from my perspective, having a regular cadence where the team will check in, and it doesn't need to be like three hours every day, even if it's just like, you know, five minutes at the beginning of each day, or it's an hour that we spend uh, every week. A long time ago, I used to I used to run an organization that was all it was all virtual. We had people all over the all over the world, and so one of the things that we did was we had a we had a Monday morning meeting, eleven o'clock East Coast time, and it was an hour. And the first half of that conversation was intentionally unstructured, and it was just kind of like, "Hey, Neil, what's going on? How was your weekend?" 
What's going on? Oh, you're in Charleston? That sounds cool. Did you play any golf? Really? How'd that go? You know, just to sort of have that. And then the second half of the conversation was very intentional, where we were talking about, hey, so what are you, what are you working on? What's, what's big that you're working on right now? What's something that you're really excited about uh, in your work, uh, or maybe even in personal? And then where's some, some place that you're stuck? I know we try to do that, like in our team, you know, I think having, but, but having those more uh, like unstructured, just, just kind of people kind of getting to try to know each other. And in many cases, maybe they haven't really spent a lot of time together and how that can maybe possibly make people feel not connected. You know what I mean? In the sense that, you know, they're, they're part of something, I think sometimes, uh, you know, perhaps Um, not intentionally, of course, just as a way of, you know, if you're only asking people all about work all the time, it's hard to develop, I think, kind of that, you know, relationship. And I think that can be said too, I think for, you know, some of the folks that are listening to this, designers working with clients, you know, they're building, going through projects, multiple projects at a time, they may not have the ability to physically be in front of these people as often, but the ability to kind of do this uh, remotely is certainly still obviously, I think we're probably all becoming more accustomed on how to do that properly, but it can be done. Right. And I, and I think that a big, a big piece of that is making sure that we're doing the work intentionally to build the relationships, right? So, you know, bottom line, like leadership is all about relationships and being able to work together effectively. We need to have that sense of community that, you know, we used to be able to do by, you know, going to Friday happy hours or having lunch together, whatever, which we're not doing now. And so, so a lot of that needs to be intentionally scripted. When I was at Dale Carnegie, I led a team and nobody was located in the same place. We had a bunch of people in St. Louis, and then people were scattered everywhere from New York to uh, Phuket, Thailand. And so we were very intentionally about setting up a schedule that said, and in this case, it was a monthly schedule where we basically, so uh, we had sort of a cadence in the first month of the quarter, uh, we would do some, uh, we would work on we would build the team, right? And so it was some sort of uh, some sort of intentional work-oriented team-building relationship. But talking about this, the skills, the tools, the stuff that we need to learn to work together better. The second part then was about like let's learn about the team. And so we were doing assessments, foresight assessment, team three sixties, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the third was just like, hey, let's just let's just do something fun. Um, and so you know, I remember my favorite. We did a, a I had somebody on the team who said, hey, I want to organize it. It's great, um, and she organized a virtual wine and paint, which was a, I think it was a Thursday afternoon. And she mailed out like, Hey, here's, here's a canvas and some paints and all that to everybody. And what's your favorite beverage? And we all got our favorite beverage. And that's what we did. And it was awesome. And that's you know, cool. some of it was just quiet. We were just painting and some of it was, you know, we we're having conversations about. Yeah. And it's okay to have fun. It's okay to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and it's interesting. My biggest, my biggest regret from that time um, was I waited too long to start that process. Yeah. Because right? we were we were missing some people when I joined the organization. And so I was just waiting until we got like our team all together and then somebody else left. And then there's never the right time to start it. So start it and be intentional. I think that's a good point too. I think a lot of times uh, people are kind of waiting for perfect and then they want to, okay, now we're going to begin this this effort of doing whatever, but you know, it's never going to be right. You know, that's right. It's, yeah. and, and if you wait for perfect, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yes, you are. Yeah. That's been my experience. <laughs> and, and we've all kind of gotten used to waiting. <laughs> so indeed, um, for a variety of things um, right. in terms of, you know, we talked about, obviously, you know, I think 
the communication goal setting, you know, looking at kind of the big picture, getting into your teams, you know, working towards those goals uh, as you as you do so, and, and hopefully you're doing that on a consistent basis. And just like anything that you're trying to get better at, you want to those you want to check in. In terms of measuring against these things, there's so many different ways to measure different. Obviously, there's numbers don't lie, and that's one way to measure things. What about some of the other things that may be more intangible? You know, how do you, you know, from a recommendation standpoint, you know, how do you measure some of those things? What really should be measured and maybe isn't that important to measure from what you've seen with other organizations? Is there a, is it really kind of depend on kind of the organization and, and, and what they do? Yeah, I think that's the that really is the the tough part. I think that's the hard work, and 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 a lot of times we just sort of default to what's easy to measure. I think that's a mistake because you know, as as they say, what is it? What gets measured gets done. And the flip side of that is the stuff that doesn't get measured doesn't get done, and so we have to pay attention to that. And so, like you say, some of those intangibles, right? So, how are we paying attention to the things that are really important to the organization, the behaviors that we want people to be manifesting? And so, a lot of organizations will have a set of values. Uh, we value honesty and integrity and good client service and th- those sorts of things, which is really important. But then to take that to the next level down and say, all right, what are the behaviors of that? What are the behaviors that we're talking about when we mean honesty, right? What is the behaviors of integrity? So integrity is one of those fun words because it means something different to everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Very, you know, I have a clear definition of it. It means doing what you say you're going to do. Right. And so for me, integrity means if I make a promise to you, I will deliver. And if I can't deliver, we'll have a conversation about it as soon as I know we can't deliver. Right. Right. So that's sort of the behavior around integrity or like good customer service. What does that look like? Good client service. What does that look like? Right. That means returning phone calls within uh, or emails within a set period of time. And it's about making sure that every conversation isn't just a one word response, but it's a, you know, it's an, it's an opportunity to engage. Right. So those behaviors getting clear on those. And then I think that, you know, those check-in conversations that we have, it's a good opportunity to share some of those stories, to reinforce some of those things. I had a, I had a manager who, like, the way that we would start uh, each one of our uh, weekly meetings was to have somebody stand up and just tell a two-minute story, only two minutes, of where they saw the values manifested, right? So whether it's a story about me or it's a story about someone else in the room or somebody on my team, like, here's where we saw that showing up. I really kind of like that. Yeah, um, that's great. That's cool. I, I, what about, you know, I think another thing you kind of mentioned in there too, because in some of these, and I think the examples are great, you know, sometimes also, um, and maybe it's, I'd kind of factor it into measuring, but it's almost like maybe also celebrating the success. You know, it's, it's doing the things that need to be done, if you will, but taking that time to recognize that. I think that's been really hard over the last couple of years because people aren't together. We're not doing a lot of these things that you talked about, you know, going for a drink after work or having a lunch party and those types of things. And it can kind of get lost in the sense that, hey, it's going to be okay. And actually for many, it's gotten better in a weird a weird way. It's, it's definitely a weird way to get there, but kind of what are your thoughts on that? Cause I think some of the things you just shared about even like having like the virtual engagement and opportunity to kind of, you know, have some fun, if you will, while not being physically present. Um, what about celebrating right now? And is there, you know, it's a, it's okay to do that, (laughs) but any, any okay to celebrate. Yes. Okay. To celebrate everyone permission to celebrate. Yeah. Is, is there, is, have you seen some things where companies are trying to do that? I think we've all at some point done the zoom cocktail thing and it's, you know, I think people are kind of, but it's better than nothing, I guess, you know, any thoughts on that side of things? 
Yeah, I think that's really true, right? And uh, the the worst, you know, worst practices around sort of the Zoom cocktail hour is like we got 20, 20 people on a Zoom and everybody's interrupting everybody else. I think there's, you know, from a from a Zoom perspective, from a virtual perspective, there's there's great power in the breakout group, right? Getting two or three people together in a room and just like having those conversations and sort of mixing and mingling that way. And I've seen some really good conversations and some really strong relationships built in that way. You know, the notion of celebration, I think, is really important. And another manager who would start every meeting is like, I want three pieces of good news, share three pieces of good news. And sometimes they're work and sometimes they're personal, but it's an opportunity to celebrate. The danger, the watch out with that is if you're doing that with the entire organization that has a tendency to turn into a, like, here's the sales win for this week, yeah. which is great yeah. if you're in sales and you can you know sort of brag on that. Fantastic. And the other people in the organization also need to have some good news, right? Because it doesn't happen without everybody on the team. Right. Um, and so it's sort of recognizing those sorts of things. And then, you know, there's huge power in just the note, right? Just sending out that note of congratulations, whether it's a personal handwritten note, which I think are incredibly powerful. There was a there was a woman I used to work with at Dale Carnegie. She didn't work for me. She was in another group. She did something that really helped me out. I sent her a note of, of thanks, just a quick note of thanks. Took me all of about a minute and a half. Gave it to her. She was really appreciative. She She ended up sticking it on the wall of her cubicle. We moved offices, and when she moved to the new cubicle, that note was still up there. So she had taken it off, moved it to the new place, put it up and put it up again, and she moved for a third time. And that note like kept following her. And I realized it's like, holy cow, that's that must be meaningful to her. Um, and so we have to pay attention to those things, right? And so, so that, and whether it's private recognition like that, or also the public recognition of, hey, here's some cool things that are happening. Here's some great things that Neil uh, is doing, some great things that he Neil's team accomplished. Let's make sure that we're highlighting that and recognizing that. Yeah, I think, I think some of those things, it's easy to... Um kind of keep moving on to the next thing sometimes, as opposed to taking a minute to go, Hey, all right. Yeah. You know, so, and I'll admit, I'm like, I'm terrible with the notion of celebration and it's so important. And, you know, for me, I've always found that there's someone on the team who like loves doing that stuff. Um, and so for me as a yeah. leader, I'll deputize them and say, Hey, let's make sure that we're like building this in. And you may need to remind me cause I'm going to forget and that need to move right. on to the next thing. Yeah, no, I, I know. Um, it's, and it's easy. It's easy. Cause sometimes, yeah. you know, it just kind of like, you know, you just keep kind of going if you will. We've talked a little bit about, obviously, you know, I think Zoom, virtual work, hybrid is becoming kind of uh, maybe the new normal, if you will. Um, and certain folks are still virtual, but I think this idea, we're certainly getting closer to maybe hybrid being, that could be that could be what work becomes uh, moving forward, I think, to a certain extent. This is kind of a big open-ended question, but, you know, what are you seeing, I guess, in terms of the impact it's having on things like productivity, the performance of a group, building a team, which we've kind of touched on a little of that already, but maybe people have gotten over the stigma of you can get stuff done from everywhere. I think people are beginning to feel comfortable across a lot of, you know, I think technology, I think they've seen that, okay, I can do that. But it's a different challenge, I think, for different organizations uh, on how to feel like, can I do that? But what are you seeing and maybe, you know, any guidance on some of those topics? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I was just I was just looking through some of the research yesterday around productivity, and uh, early on there were productivity gains that happened when people sort of went remote. At the, you know, when everything sort of locked out and uh, and COVID, and the the theory was, yeah, productivity's increased because everybody's scared that they're going to get fired, so they're like working extra hard. 
And so what is it, two years now in, uh, those productivity gains in many places are still holding. Are people more productive? Yeah, in many cases they are. And whether that's because they, you know, they don't have an hour and a half commute anymore, or yeah. you know, they don't have those other distractions, or they can they don't have to take a day off when the cable person is supposed to come, or who knows. Um, so those productivity gains are holding. And we also see that people are working a little bit more on average. It's like 20 minutes more they're working virtual, whether that's because they're checking email before they go to bed or because, you know, I can, I can leave my house at 8 a.m. and I don't have a commute so I can start working in my office, home office at 8.01. Who knows? Right, right. But so those things are happening. Are any of those things at the detriment to team building? That's the, the interesting piece, right? So, you know, the, the world is kind of divided into the extroverts and the introverts and those who are somewhere in the middle, of course. But, you know, the extroverts are really missing like those conversations in the hallway, in the lunchroom, by the coffee maker. The introverts are just loving this like work from home <laughs> stuff, right? I mean, it really is. It's perfect. It's like, hey, no one's bugging me. And the next frontier for introverts is, do I have to turn on my camera during like the team meetings? And there's reasons to do it and reasons not to do it. And it's all about balance, Right. And so I think that it really is that the thing around the hybrid that's really interesting right now is that the hybrid dynamic creates a power differential based on proximity, right? So the people in the room are much more likely to be engaged in the conversation, contributing to the conversation and having their ideas and thoughts heard. The people who are you know, on the Zoom much harder to hear what's going on, right? Especially when it's more than one person talking uh, or when they're trying to chime in and interrupt and the, you know, the microphone's not picking them up because it's picking up the stuff in the room. And so that's the power dynamic of hybrid is one of the things to really pay attention to because otherwise you're leaving out the people who are not physically in the room. The best practices that I've learned thus far, and I think we're learning a lot about this, mm-hmm. is make sure that you've got equal power dynamics. So either everybody is on the computer, even if they're in the building at the same time, make sure everybody's on the computer at the same time, or that at least you can, you know, everyone's staring at a computer, even if they're in the same room, so that you can see who's talking in the moment. And it's not like some fuzzy dot in the corner of yeah, your computer no. screen. I can't, working I, home. Somebody just said something I can't hear. And then it almost, I think you start to tune it out. You're like, why am I even in this meeting? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I worked uh, when I was at Dale Carnegie three years, I was face to face. And then uh, my last several months I was working remotely. It was a totally different dynamic. And what I realized is that the, the people on the executive team, like me, who were not in the room, there was this like back channel conversation that was happening in the chat. Right. <laughs> and that's just like, oh, and you know, I, the first couple of meetings, everyone's like, aren't you glad you're not in the meeting right now? I'm like, I am in the meeting. Like, aren't you glad you're not there physically? And I'm like, right. oh, interesting. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. It's, and, and I think that's where technology can be, uh, you know, if, if used if learned to use the right way, it can actually be, uh, you know, you can still have that ability to have, you know, I think people feel like they're, you know, connected part of the part of the process, if you will. A question I wanted to talk a little bit about was the difference between productivity and performance. Yes, I think they go hand in hand, but just because you're productive doesn't necessarily mean you're a performer and vice versa, I guess. But uh, I wanted to kind of get your take on that because I think as people, even for their own, you know, yes, the company may set a goal. I think you as, you know, the employee, if you will, you you too are probably setting goals for your team. Right. Hopefully they tie into what the big goals are. That, that would be good. <laughs> um, and then you might have yeah. some goals for yourself or for the individuals that are part of your team. And, and you as an individual, I think from that would be 
you know, kind of building a plan for yourself for that year. And then hopefully it's beyond one year, but yeah, if you can talk a little about that, I think that's an interesting thing for folks to maybe kind of digest a little bit. This, I think, really comes back to this, uh, you know, the, the model that we use at, at Pilgrimage is really, it's, uh, you know, five Ps. It's got to be five something. So it's five Ps. And so what we talk about is like, it's people first, right? We need to make sure we have the right people. Uh, going back to the goal conversation that we had earlier, it's making sure that there's very clear purpose, right? We know what we're, we know what we're all about. There's a process piece of it, which is knowing how we operate, which is the conversation that you and I were just having around, um, you know, what do those meetings look like? What are those cadences? How do we make sure that we're engaging with people? And then the last two pieces of the puzzle are the productivity, which is really, uh, it's really kind of about efficiency, right? Which is making sure that we're maximizing, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the work that we're doing and the time that we have. The performance is really about the results. And so, you know, the, for me, the classic example of that is productivity is saying, hey, so if I'm a salesperson, I'm going to make, uh, you know, 25 calls every day, right? Okay, great. And then the performance then is, did you sell anything? Wait, what? <laughs> right? So, you know, and as a leader, I could, have, I could have my schedule booked up with meetings, but if we're not hitting our numbers, if we're not doing the things that we need to do, if we're not delivering those results... Like that's the performance piece. And so I like to think about it as like productivity is kind of like those should be the leading indicators, right? So if I know that we're doing this work productively, like that should create results. Mm-hmm. And the performance then is sort of, these are the lagging indicators, the lagging results that tell us whether we're doing the things that go back to our original goals, right? So in a perfect yeah. world, you've got the big goal for the organization that's broken out by function, that's broken out by person, that's broken out by time so that we know along the way, are we doing the work that we need to be done? And are we getting those results? And that kind of ties into this other question of almost in the way I kind of phrased it, I think is how do you make sure you don't let work get in the way of actually working towards what you need to do? It happens to all of us, absolutely, usually unintentionally, and it's not anybody's fault. It just you know, you find yourself in these periods of, all right, new year, I'm all excited. All right, we're doing great. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of Q1 and you're like, you're in your, your little rut. Um, and maybe it happens faster now because you're not physically with people, but you kind of, there's still stuff happening, but you're kind of questioning, yeah. wait a second, I feel like I got on a different train all of a sudden, like what happened? How do I, I'm sure you see this a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I may I, have fallen into that rut myself on occasion. <laughs> How do you pull the, you know, the stop cord, if you will? How do you, and how do you catch yourself sometimes from doing that? Whether it's you doing it for yourself or you sort of doing it for the people that work for you, the, the key piece of that is really sort of looking at it rather than saying, all right, what are the things that you should be doing? And sort of going back the other way saying, all right, so what are the results, right? So if we've got that goal for the year and we've broken it down for our team, what are some of those, what we would call the key result areas, right? So, um, you know, if you're talking about marketing, it's, it might be the key result areas about creating awareness. Um, it's about, you know, driving uh, traffic, it might be about creating creating purchase intent, like those sorts of things. So we're saying, so if those are the key result areas, you know, creating awareness, for example, like what are the measurables for that? So what are the what are the goals that I need to achieve in my role? So if I'm a social media person, like what are the things that I need to do? Uh, how will I be measured to uh, go back to that thing about creating awareness? And then uh, once we understand sort of that key result area, what are those measurables to know that if we're doing those things, then we take a look at, all right, what are the activities that are going to drive that? 
right? So I need to be posting on social media X number of times. Uh, I need to be involved in these groups, those sorts of things. What are those activities? And then below that, which is really important is what are the skills and abilities that are necessary in order to do those activities? Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the top, you've got the key result area, and then you've got the measurable goals. Um, and below that, you've got the specific activities that should ladder up to those goals. And then you've got those skills and abilities that will make those um, activities be successful. So if you find yourself all of a sudden doing activities that are not tied to where you know you need to be going, right. you somehow need to stop. So I think this yeah. is a question I was going to ask you as well. If, if, you know, if people want to uh, you know, get really good at something, whether it be a musical instrument or a sport, they would hire probably, or they want to get fit. That's another thing. People, you know, they, maybe they go and see a trainer or something like that. Yeah. In your line of work, obviously, you know, how important do you think it is for companies and, or for individuals to realize that, Hey, you know what? I, I may need, I got to continue to, you know, I think it's easy to continue. There's lots of ways to continue to learn, but I may need some assistance in the way of a coach or a group to come in and, and kind of help, Make sure, you know, I think sometimes the outside perspective can be really powerful in terms of, oh, wait a second, how do we start going this way or that way? Do you think people are more open to seeking that help and or, you know, and, and why should they, I guess? Clearly, I'm biased in this particular area, although as evidence for the value of it, one of the things I would point to is so when I was when I was working at Dale Carnegie, I was not coaching. I was not training. I was just leading a team. Um, and like one of the first things that I did was I reached out to one of my buddies and I said, Hey, I'm going to need some help here. Right. So um, I'm going to need some help sort of leading the team and developing the team because for me, the real value of bringing in somebody from the outside to facilitate is that I stay in the conversation. Right. Because if I'm trying to lead the group to get to some place, I either can't honestly be a part of the conversation um, because I'm too busy trying to figure out how do we get them there, or I have an outweighed sense of influence in the team, right? So bringing someone from the outside around the team is going to help me as the leader or me as a team member, like really focus on the conversation and the work. And I don't have to worry about the team process. Yeah. Right? So I think that's really important. The other thing that I did was I called a coach because, uh, you know, I was put in this role as, uh, as an executive vice president and I'd never done that before. And so, you know, my question I asked a number of different people was like, how do you be a vice president of a global organization? I don't know. I had this great coach. She was just hugely helpful in terms of like breaking that down. And I had a couple other mentors as well um, mm -hmm. in other places. And so, you know, really the value of the coach is somebody who can help you see things that you haven't seen before, who's got a different perspective, um, who can bring that in. And then the value of somebody to work with the team is they can manage the team process while the team really does the work that's so critical for them. This is going to sound weird, but much like in January, when lots of people go to join gyms, do you, does your phone ring more in January than it does throughout the year or is it fairly <laughs> consistent? Uh, it's funny. It, it, you would, you would think so. What I'd say is that it generally rings, uh, towards the end of the financial year, yes, right. Which yes, sometimes is sense. calendar year and sometimes isn't. Um, and that's generally the time where people are like, oh crap, we got to put together our plan or, oh crap, we got to figure out how we're going to achieve our plan. Um, and that's when that starts to happen. So yeah. yeah, the first week of January, uh, was pretty quiet. And then it's kind of been a racetrack ever since then. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Jonathan, if folks want to uh, get in touch with you, we can, we'll put the, the notes in, in, the, in the show notes, um, your contact information, what have you, but what is the best way to learn more about what you and your, your team do? Yeah. So, well, uh, believe it or not, we have a website. Uh, that's 
pilgrimpro.com. Um, you can see some of the offerings, some of the things that we do there. Uh, and um, there's also uh, some valuable content in there in terms of things that you can read that will, uh, that will help you move forward. Um, and we have some nice, some really nice assessments as well. There's, there's two that I would focus on. One of them is something called the, the Team 360, which helps people get a sense of, hey, let's take a look at our team and see how we're doing around that whole notion of uh, the people, the purpose, the process, productivity, and performance. Um, and then there's another one, which I'm a huge fan of, um, a series of 360s, but one of them is it's a transitions 360 so that when people find themselves in a new place in the organization or in a new organization, they can do a 360 at three months, six months, uh, in either nine months or a year to say, hey, here's how you're doing in your new role. Because what we know is when people go into a new role, they don't know what the heck is going on, right? No, because no, it's either yeah. a new organization and things are done completely differently, or it's a new level. Like, hey, I'm a vice president. That's great. I was a great director, but I got to do something completely different. How do I know? Right. right. And right. that if, having, if I had had that, that would have sped up my uh, learning curve, something fierce. Well, uh, and I think that really too nice is tool. it's, it's okay not to know what to do in the, but it's, Exactly right. It's, it's almost not okay not to ask. <laughs> you know, that's kind of right. uh, it's it's okay. You know, it's yeah. okay to hey, I, I I need a little guidance or direction, and I think there's a lot of ways to do this. So these are great. So we'll put links um, in the show notes. And um, any any kind of final thoughts on on just um, you know with with where we're at? Do you see anything kind of um, you know? I guess maybe from a whether it be you know, leveling or trending as it relates to things that you see kind of happening in, in the workplace environment for for teams or people as, you know, we are where we are now and doesn't seem to be a lot of changes necessarily happening quickly. But um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's three things that are kind of trending. One of them is this notion of like, we need to, we need to be intentional, right? Because it used to be that we could like bump into each other in the hallway, right? And so one of, one of my favorite uh, organizations uh, out in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, uh, they were the number one distributor of um, uh, Herman Miller. Um, and when they built their headquarters, they intentionally built it uh, so that people would run into each other. So uh, it wasn't efficient. They didn't have bathrooms scattered throughout the place. They were all in one corner of the building. The lunchroom was in another corner of the building. The mailroom was in a different corner of the building. And so everybody had to like walk all over the place inefficiently. And that was all about creating those converse, those, those informal conversations that would be so, so important. And I, I love that. I can remember walking into the That's place cool. thinking, well, this is stupid. Right. And then I realized, oh no, this is brilliant. brilliant. I'm yeah, stupid. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so I think, so that's, that's one of the things. The second thing is make sure that that feedback you, that like the biggest mistake that leaders make that managers make is that they wait till the end of the year to have the performance evaluation, right? And those conversations around feedback and how are we doing, those things should be happening on a weekly, if not biweekly basis. If you're not getting feedback, be real deliberate about asking for feedback, um, specifically around performance. And then the third piece is recognizing that the new normal um, is not like the old normal, right? And it's going to be a very long time, I think, before we get to the old normal. And so in like in a training space, you know, we used to have people sitting around a small table having really in-depth conversations. But now those people are sitting around a much larger table, uh, six feet apart with masks on. And so it's a very different notion of it. And so one of the things as we learn, as we adapt to these things is be aware of the fact that 
We may go back to normal. It's going to be a while. And if we wait for that to happen, we're missing an opportunity. You know, look for those opportunities to adapt, to change and figure out what people really need um, rather than waiting for things to come back. And this is, you know, those organizations that adapt quickly are doing much better than those organizations that are sitting back and waiting for things to go back to normal. It's going to take a while. Well, well said. Yeah, we appreciate you uh, taking the time, kind of sharing some insight. I think there's a lot of things that can be gleaned uh, and and you know learned, and uh, not just at the beginning of the year, but I think as you said, it's just something that can be part of a process that you work towards that uh, you know can help not only the organization improve, but but really a lot of you know I think people making the people and and yourself feel like you're you're you are doing what you want to do, and you're seeing the results and getting something out of that in a good way, in a good way. So. Jonathan, thank you for taking the time and uh, we, we really appreciate it. Neil, thanks for the opportunity. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Thanks for spending some time with us today. I've been your host, Neil McKenzie from Universal Furniture. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at Universal Furniture.